You know, people destroy their lives one decision at a time. It's never one decision that destroys it, but yet multiple decisions over time. And today I want us to dive into a story in the Bible about a man who had everything he needed. He had everything he needed. He, he had strength. He had hair. He had good looks. I mean, like, I wish I had hair. I'm looking around. I got some. The lights are glaring in your area more than others because there is no hair. But he had good hair. It may not be your watch reflecting in my eye today, and I figured that out. It, it, he had good looks. I'm not talking about me. This is a guy in the Bible. He had stature. He had amazing potential. God's favor was on his life. Anybody know who I'm talking about yet? Who? Samson is his name. And there came a time where all of that was taken away. And he lost it all. And I want us to read this story. We're going to read quite a bit of scripture today because I want you to have the entire context of what we are going to be leaning into this morning. I want you to turn with me to Judges chapter 16. Judges 16. If you're there, say yes. If you're not there, say, hold up, hold up. Judges 16, we're going to begin in verse one. If you're not there, hurry up. It says one day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with the prostitute. All right. Word soon spread that Samson was there, so the men of Gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town gates. They kept quiet during the night, saying to themselves, when the light of morning comes, we will kill him. Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the town gate, including the two posts, and lifted them up, bar and all. He put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. Verse four, sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. All the single people just got sad. Said, who lived in the valley of Sorek, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1100 pieces of silver. That is roughly about 28 pounds of silver, which if you were to calculate that, it would be over $10,000 per 28 pounds. And we don't even know how many, but it said each of us. They were enticing this woman. So verse six says, so Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what would it take to tie you up securely? And then Samson begins to describe, if you'll tie me up with seven new bowstrings that have never been dried, then I'll be as weak as any man. And so Delilah, when he fell asleep, tied him up. Men were waiting in the corner. He woke, she woke Samson up and said, Samson, Samson, the Philistine is about to capture you. He came up, broke the strings and he was now no longer secured. 
and his secret of his strength was not yet discovered. Verse 10, afterward, Delilah said to him, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now, please tell me how you can be tied up securely. Then again, he begins to go into this journey, get new ropes that have never been used. Tie me up and I'll be as weak as any man. So once again, men waiting in the corner, she lulls him to sleep. He goes to sleep. She yells out, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He breaks those strings like thread, scripture says. Verse 13, then Delilah says, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now tell me, how can you be tied up securely? Then Samson starts to dabble a little bit more carelessly. He says, well, if you'll take my seven braids and you'll tie them in a loom and put them into a loom shuttle securely, I'll be as weak as any man. Once again, men waiting, she shouted. He took himself loose and his strength was still not yet discovered. Says verse 15, then Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now and you still haven't told me what makes you strong. I have a word for Delilah, but I'm going to keep it to myself. Mm. I don't want people pulling up urban dictionary stuff. Verse 16 says she tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anybody else. So Delilah realized that he finally told her the truth. Sent for the Philistine ruler, said, come back one more time. He has finally told me his secret. So they returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with her, his head on her lap. This woman. Mm. And then she called in a man to shave his seven locks of hair. In this way, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as I've done before, and I will shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. I want to preach to you today from the title, Stop Playing with the Enemy. Why don't you look at your neighbor this morning and tell them, look at them real close in their eyes. You know it's coming if you've been here. You got to know their eye color by the time you leave. Look them in the eye and tell them, stop playing with the enemy. Now turn to the person you really wanted to tell first, but they're now your second choice and tell them. Stop playing with the enemy. Father, we thank you for our time together. We pray, Lord, that your word would saturate our hearts today. Let it cut through every ideology and theology that may be misunderstood. And Lord, let your word come to life in our life. Let us be transformed and renewed by your word. In Jesus name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated.
Have you ever looked back at your life and asked the question, how did I get here? Anybody ever asked that question before? How in the world did I get here? You see, nobody plans to mess up their lives. But yet we do it all the time. No one plans for it to happen. And, and so what happens is when they do, others often summarize the tragedy with one sentence for your whole life. Yeah, well, his, his drinking problem got out of hand. And so his wife left him and he lost everything. One sentence summary. Well, she started using again. She lost her job and she lost her marriage. You know, he always battled with his weight and he died at 53 due to a heart attack. All of it summarized up into one sentence as if they just had a bad day. It just happened. Like nothing accumulated, like it, it just one day. It all happened. But you see, people almost never end up in a bad place all at once. It happens by one bad decision, one wrong step, and one harmful habit at a time. One bad decision, one wrong step, one harmful habit at a time. As we observe this text of Samson, Judges chapter 16, from the very first verse, we can see where this is headed. It's very obvious to see. And I want to see if you'll see it today. Judges 16, let's read verse 1 together. One day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with the prostitute. Do you see it? You don't see it. I'll read it again. One day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with the prostitute. Do you see it? I think you see it. And I think you think you see it. But right from the jump, we see where he made his first mistake, and I'm not talking about the prostitute. We hadn't even got that far in that verse for this to show where he went wrong. To be specific, Samson took about 56,250 steps in the wrong direction. If you were to do some research Samson left his hometown, Zorah, and he traveled about 25 miles from what we understand geographically into enemy territory called Gaza. That means he took 56,250 wrong decisions. He took 56,250 wrong steps. And it also means that he had 56,000 and about 250 opportunities to turn around. He then makes another poor decision and he sleeps with a prostitute. Which goes to show you that anyone who is tired and anyone who feels lonely, you will make a stupid decision. It will happen. The Bible then goes on to talk about how sometime later, which goes to show that he was in the wrong place for too long. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with this girl, Delilah. And I want us to observe this text today because Samson so casually 
He so arrogantly, he so carelessly begins playing with the enemy. And can I tell you today that just because she looks good to you doesn't mean she is good for you. Like all the single people in the room, why don't you raise your hand? If you're single in the room today, single and ready to mingle, raise your hand. Don't be ashamed of it. I'm trying to help you out right now so you can identify other singles. Some of y'all are like, Lord, help me. I need a man. I need a woman. Let me tell you, though, just because he looks good doesn't mean he is good for you. Just because she smells good, fellas, doesn't mean she'll be a good wife. Just because you get married, it does not make you a wife or a husband. It gives you the permit, the license to become one. <laughs> if you just got married, you ain't no husband. <laughs> you ain't no wife. You just two lost souls trying to figure this thing out. You will become one if you'll stick, stick it out through the test of time. 40 something years, what, 44 years, August 11th, yeah, August 11th, Pastor Danny and Janet celebrated. It took 44 years for them to become a husband and a wife, to have a, a marriage that is worth the test of time. But I want us to observe the text today as we look at this process of Samson playing with the enemy. Judges chapter 16, verse 6, it says, so Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me what makes you so strong and what would it take to tie you up securely? Now, let me just stop there. Why would Samson even entertain this conversation? This woman obviously has a motive. She, she obviously has is, is, is got a plan to, to come out and get him. And he so arrogantly entertains it because he thinks to himself, oh, I've got this. I can handle this. I, oh, hey, I'm strong enough. You know, the last thing somebody said before they made a stupid decision. I'm strong enough. I can handle this. I don't need anybody else. I can do this on my own. And that's how arrogant Samson was. Verse seven goes on to say, Samson replied, if you were to tie me up with seven bowstrings that were undried, I'll be as weak as any man. And so she does her shenanigans and calls him in and he breaks them and he entertains the enemy. He begins to play with the enemy. Verse 10, it says afterward, Delilah comes back to him. You've been making fun of me and you're telling me lies. Please tell me what makes you so strong. Here we go again. This woman is now manipulating Samson. And just to be clear, this isn't a way that she's trying to be seductive kind of thing. Let me tie you up. No. <laughs> just want to make it clear. She is obviously trying to lure him in while he carelessly plays with the enemy. 
Verse 11, Samson replied, if I were tied up with brand new ropes that had never been used, I would become as weak as anybody else. So here we go with the shenanigans again. And she ties him up. She calls the men in. she wakes up Samson and all this begins to happen. And he breaks the ropes like a thread. Then Delilah says, you've been making fun of me. You're telling me lies. And she begins to try to manipulate him once again. And so he goes back into this. Now, see, he is beginning now to start to take this really far. He, he's playing with the enemy and he's playing with the very thing. What we're about to get to, he's playing with the very thing that was God's. The thing that God allowed him to have where he were to have favor of God on his life. And that was his hair. We now get to verse 13 and we start getting through all this. Into verse 14 where he says, you'll tie my hair up. Now he's really playing. Tie it up in your loom and put a loom shuttle on it. I'll be as weak as any man. And she goes through her shenanigans, does it all again. Samson wakes up. He pulls back the loom shuttle. He yanked his hair away from the loom and the fabric. Verse 15 says, then Delilah pouted. How many of you have somebody in your life that all they do is pout? Trying to get you to do things you know you shouldn't do. And they will entice you. And they will manipulate you. Why won't you just come out with us tonight? Well, because I know me. And I know me. I know that you know that I know that you know that I know me. And if I go out. I'll make a decision that I probably will regret. So it's best for me to stay home and be alone than it is to go out because I, I think I'm going to feel alone and be with people that just want to nag and manipulate and pout to get me to do things to stoop down to their level of life so they'll feel better about themselves. <laughs> and they'll pout. Says so she pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times and still you haven't told me where your strength has come from. You know, I wonder how many times has the enemy tried to manipulate you, pout to you and twist your words and play with you to try to get you to hand over what God has given to you. You see something I'm discovering in life. Is that maybe. The enemy isn't taking things from us, but rather we so carelessly hand things to him. Like oftentimes we blame the enemy because our life is in chaos, because our life is not where we want it to be. And we want to blame it all on him that he's stolen this from us when really maybe we're the ones who gave it to him because we fell into the temptation that he set before us. He hasn't stolen your marriage. You just fell into the temptation and you gave it to him. He didn't steal your joy. 
You just gave it to him when things didn't go the way that you wanted. He, he didn't rob you of your life. You just gave it to him when you chose to follow the world's way instead of God's way. He didn't take your peace. Maybe you just gave it to him when you decided to live by what the world's peace had to offer rather than the, the peace of God. So did he steal it from you or did you just carelessly give it to him? Bible goes on in verse 16 and says that she tormented him with her nagging, nag, nag, nagging all day after day until what? She wore him down. And that's what the enemy is going to do to you. Day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, somebody say finally. Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed. And he begins to share the secret that if his hair was cut, he would lose his strength and be as weak as anybody else. Can I tell you today that the enemy wants to do everything he can to wear you down? He wants to do everything he can to, to distract you. Just one decision after another, just one distraction after another, just one annoyance after another. He wants to wear you down until you finally give in all the way. You see, the habits you have today will shape who you become tomorrow. And can I tell you that if you don't like where you're going right now, then you're going to have to learn to break the cycle and stop playing with the enemy. James chapter one, if you know the book of James, he is he don't play no games. James don't play no games. James chapter one, verse 21 in the good news translation, it says, so get rid of every filthy habit. Ooh, not just some, not just the ones you'd like to get rid of, not just the ones that would be easier to get rid of. He says, get rid of every. Come on, somebody say it. Get rid of every filthy habit and all wicked conduct. All of it. Then he goes on to say this word that we don't like. Submit. Somebody like said, what? <laughs> I, I, I don't understand what you're saying. No, he said, submit to God. And accept the word that he plants in your heart. You see, a lot of times God will try to plant a word in your heart, but because you don't like it, you won't accept it. And that's the problem that you have with submission to authority. Because you don't want to accept the word that God's given you because it doesn't feel good to you. And it goes against what you think you should believe rather than what God's word says we are to believe. But the Bible says to submit to God and accept the word. It starts with submission and then comes the exception. Accept the word that he plants in your hearts, which is able to save you. Can I tell you that you cannot defeat what you will not define? You cannot. Like you may find yourself in a day where you're today where you say, like, I'm physically unhealthy. you got to get to a place where you identify I'm physically unhealthy and you decide to get on a diet. I know the first three letters say die. And that's what it feels like. How many of you want to die yet right now? Anybody? None? No, there's like eight of y'all. 
We're going to have health and nutrition class at 6 p.m. today. <laughs> going to have a kinesiology major come in and a nutritionist. But you'll have to identify and define, you know what? I'm probably going to have to eat fewer sweets. I'm probably going to have to cut down the carbs. I'm probably going to have to have no more fast food. Oh, that hurts. Probably going to have to do this thing where I get in the gym or just do a workout in your house. You can grab a towel. I can tell you I'll destroy your life with a single towel. You may find yourself in a place where you need to define that you you've come to define that you're mentally unhealthy. And as you start to discover the reasons that it is, is because maybe your TV or video game binging. Maybe you need to limit your social media. Maybe you need to block the porn sites and get some accountability because you're in a place of mental unhealth. Maybe you find yourself in a place today where you're saying you're spiritually unhealthy. You, you've got an attitude. Don't look at nobody. You've got a critical spirit. You've got a complaining heart. You've got a gossiping tongue. You've got a gossiping tongue. You've got a gossiping tongue. And you like to do this about it. Maybe you have a negative outlook on life all the time and you find yourself in a place of spiritual unhealth. You cannot defeat what you will not define. So the question I have for you today is what habit do you want to break? You have to define it. You need to be able to to write it down. I want you to actually take your phone out or take out a pen and paper. And I want you to write out today what habit right now. What habit do you want to break? You can't just break a habit, though, without inserting a new one. That's like. That's like going in and taking an excavator and removing some soil out. You have to fill it with what you want or something will find its way into it. You know, I've discovered in my life and I found that good habits are difficult to start and bad habits are difficult to break. But when you start good habits, the reason why they're difficult to start is because the pain is now and the payoff is later and we don't want the pain. We just want the payoff. We don't want to go through the process. We just want the finished product. I don't want to get in the gym and do any more sit ups or, 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 or planks. I just want the abs and no love handles. Can I get a witness? Anybody here today in the name of Jesus It's going to happen. I, I don't want the pain. I just want the outcome. But when you have a good habit, when you start a good habit, the pain is now the payoff comes later. So when you do decide to get into shape, you're going to decide one day that you're going to I'm going to start doing early morning jogs. But then what begins to happen? Oh, you know, it's getting a little cooler out. It's 87 this morning. It's a little too cold to go for a run today. You know, my feet. Man, you know, my feet are hurting. I, you know, I don't want to injure myself, so I'm not going to go. My legs, you know, I was climbing about seven stairs yesterday. And my legs were just sore. I don't think I can make it the run. You know, I, I, I ran this morning and, and, and I jumped on the scale and nothing changed. It's not working. It's been two hours and it's not working. You know, the house really needs cleaning. So I probably shouldn't do the run today. I don't really have time in my schedule. We begin to make the excuses because the pain is now 
and the payoff comes later. You see, when you have bad habits, the payoff is now. But the pain comes later. That peach cobbler with vanilla ice cream tastes so good. Oh, I speak in tongues over a peach cobbler. <laughs> CNJ's is right down the road, y'all. I work here every day. I can just drive. I can walk. I can have it delivered. But what's going to happen is later down the road, the doctor's report's going to come in some years later, or my phone's going to ding, or I'm going to get an email from my doc that says that I'm on the brink of a heart attack or a stroke. The pain comes later. The habits you have today will shape who you become tomorrow. Here's the bad news about the story of Samson. Samson took 56,250 steps in the wrong direction. Before this ever began, he took 56,250 steps in the wrong direction. You want to know the good news? The good news is Samson had 56,250 chances to turn back to God. And you do too. The part I love about this story is what it says in verse 22. It says, but before long, his hair began to grow back. The significance was in his hair, but the truth is, this isn't about his hair. That's not what this story is about. It's about the restoration that God can bring to anybody's life. And Samson was foolish. Samson was arrogant. Samson was selfish. He was careless, but the Lord still remembered him. And when Samson finally came to the point in his life, if you continue to read his story, it's crazy how it ends. He finally comes to a place where he humbles himself and he asked for strength and God gave it to him. I want you to remember today that this whole series we've been in about the power to change, how to have the power to change. It is not God, then me. It's not that I get saved and then now it's all my responsibility. It's all the weight on me to change. It's not God, then me. It's not God, not me. It's not I get saved and it's all God's, all God's responsibility for me to change. No, no, no. It is what God threw me. God threw me. And here's the beautiful part today. You have an opportunity today, just like Samson had 56,250 opportunities to turn back to God. Today, I want to give you the same opportunity. I believe that it's time to stop playing with the enemy and start leaning in to what God wants to do in me. I want everyone to stand to their feet today, close their eyes. Samson made a lot of bad choices to get where he was. And maybe you have found yourself today 
in the same situation where you've made decision after decision, you've made a wrong step after another wrong step. Maybe you have an unhealthy habit and you have found yourself that one decision at a time, one wrong step at a time and one health unhealthy habit at a time you are destroying your life. I want to tell you today that you have the same opportunity, just like Samson had those 56,000 opportunities to turn around and turn away. You have that opportunity today. You have the opportunity to make a decision today to make a step in the right direction. And for many of you in this room today, you've maybe come into this place and you're finding yourself in a place of despair. You're finding yourself in a place of void. You're finding yourself in a place of hopelessness and a place of purposelessness. And you're like, what is the meaning of life? I'm struggling. I don't have any, nothing makes sense. My life is in utter chaos. I, I've noticed now it's been my decisions that has led me to this point. But if you're telling me that God sent his son, Jesus, to come die on a cross for me so that I can have new life and I can have it to the full and I can find my purpose and I can have hope again and I can have peace again and if I can have that joy again if I can have the extraordinary life that God came and he died and he bled to forgive me of my sins for I want it and if you find yourself in that place today I want to pray with you it's all up to this moment here you have the opportunity to make a decision to make a step to make a good, healthy habit, and that is to turn to Jesus. To turn to Jesus, the one who has the power to save, the one who has the power to heal, the one who has the power to restore, and he wants to make all things new in your life. With every eye closed, every head bowed in this room today, if you find yourself in that place saying, I need Jesus. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I've not been living for God. A friend invited me here. I don't even really know what's going on. I just know that people are really excited and they're live. I've seen them in public and I know their life is in chaos, but yet they have this peace and I want that peace. I want what they're having. I need Jesus in my life. I want that peace that surpasses all understanding. I want that joy that is a fullness of joy in his presence. The only way you can have that is by giving your life to Jesus. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9, that if we will confess with our mouth and surrender our, our, our language to Jesus, if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, it says you shall be saved. Another scripture says that if we will call upon the name of the Lord, it says you shall be saved. So today I want to do something. Today you have an opportunity to make a step. A step, an actual physical step. If you're in this place today and you say, I need Jesus in my life. Whether this is for the very first time or maybe you live for God at one point in your life, but you found yourself falling away. You've been making wrong decisions. You've been making bad habits. And, you know, I need Jesus because it's in his strength that you'll be able to overcome those. Those chains will fall by the power of God. And if maybe that's you, too, and you say, I need to come back to the father. Your father has open arms. He is ready to embrace you like a father embraces a son that has left from the house. 
And if that's you today, I want you to take a bold step of faith. The Bible tells us that if we will acknowledge God before, if we acknowledge God before men, he says he will acknowledge us before the Father. That's what Jesus said. So today I want to do something. If that's you, and you say, I need Jesus. I want you to get out of your seat, out of that aisle, and I want you to walk to this altar and say, I need Jesus in my life, or I need to make a new covenant with Jesus again. I want to be reconciled with Christ. If that's you today, I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come down to this front because I want to shake your hand. I want to welcome you to the family of God. I want you to take this one good step, 25 steps. Come on, church, just 25 steps. Just 25 steps in the right direction. Just 25 steps making a good decision. Just 25 steps. Just 25 steps. Come on, make your way. Come on, church. Give it up. Look at all these people coming. Come on, come on, come on. Maybe you're nervous to come along. Bring a friend with you. It's okay. Bring a friend with you. Say, come with me. I need Jesus in my life. Come with me. I want to make a new life in Christ. I want to be washed clean. Come on, church. Look at him coming. Look at him coming. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Look at him coming. Look at him coming. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Can we give it up for all these people that made this step of faith today? You took a step. You took a step. You took a step in the right direction. A step in the right direction. Today is a new day. Today is a fresh start. Today is a day of new beginnings. Today is a day where God's going to change everything in your life. Ask anybody. Look, they're still coming in. They're still. Come on, give it up a little bit more. Thank you, Jesus. It's not too late. If I can still be talking, you just come on down. You're not going to bother me. I just want to say a few things to you for just a moment. I know it can be intimidating making this step of faith, but there's something that shifts in your life. When you take a bold step of faith for God, he will take steps for you. He will do it. With every step of sacrifice, God comes back with a greater blessing. And today you're making a step of faith saying, you know, my life is not my own. My life is not mine. God gave me this life and I need to return it back to him. Today you're making that decision. And I want us to pray this prayer together. We're going to pray it in support of these people down here. Maybe you didn't come down, but you want to pray that prayer today. We're going to pray it all together. All together where our ears can hear us. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray this prayer together out loud. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. And today I ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. Wash me clean. Purify my soul. I accept you today and the free gift of salvation. Help me to walk by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said a big amen. Amen, 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 amen. 
Stay right here, stay right here, stay right here. I want you to know this is the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. The greatest decision. The greatest decision. This is the, the life-altering decision that if you're going to make one, this is the decision to make because it is one step in the right direction. And all it takes is one step to begin the other next right step and to begin the other next right step. And let me tell you this. You're going to, right now you've prayed a prayer. And that prayer is instant. Salvation is yours. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to being sons and daughters of the Most High God. But now it becomes a process. And it's this Bible word called sanctification. Somebody say sanctification. It's, it's this, 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 the meaning of this word means it is a step-by-step -step process of cleansing every day every day and you're gonna make mistakes you're not gonna do this right it's okay you're not gonna do it right but what you're gonna do what you're making a decision today is you're gonna hold the hand of the father and you're gonna keep taking a step and you're gonna keep taking a step and he's gonna continue to wash you clean you don't have to have your right your life right right now no he's gonna get it right every step and he's gentle and he's kind and he's pushy God is pushy he's gonna say you know you need to let go of that friend because they're not good for you. And you, you know that thing you've been doing at night? You need to stop doing that because that's not the life that I have for you. You know that lifestyle that you've been living that you thought was your identity? You know, I have something so much greater. I wrote the book for life and I want to give you the best life you can have. That's why he said in John 10, 10 that he came to give you life and life to the full. And it's the step-by-step -step journey of sanctification. And I want to tell you today, I am so grateful that, that you made this decision today to, to walk with Christ. Today is a new day. Today is the day of new beginnings. And here's what I want us to do. We have some, some well, I want to give you a free Bible today. I want to shake your hand. I'm going to leave here in a second. I'm going to come out there with you. I'm going to shake your hand. I want to welcome you to the family of God. And I have our team. We want to give you a Bible. We want to give you some next steps. And we want to pray with you. You're not meant to do this journey alone because you're going to wake up tomorrow and the devil's going to try to lie to you. Say, so, oh, you just said a little prayer. You just did a little thing. It don't mean anything. No, it means everything because the Bible's word is true. It is true. It is the absolute irrefutable word of God. So here's what I want you to do. All the people that made a decision, and maybe you're still up there and you made that, you prayed that prayer just a second ago. I want you to follow these people. Where's my next step team? I need somebody to raise right here. I want you to follow this young lady right here, this next step team in a green shirt. All these people that made a decision, follow that young lady right there. We're gonna give it up for them as they head out. Y'all can begin that now. We're gonna take you out to the lobby. I wanna give you the free Bible. We're gonna walk this journey. Come on, let's give it up for them as they exit today. Come on, church, look at this. New life, new beginnings. Come on, let's keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. They're still going. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Look at this church.
this morning. I want to pray for you right where you are. All those people that are going out, if you're leaving early, just sit down on the steps. We're going to honor those people. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that of your word that's gone forth. And Lord, that it says that by the foolishness of preaching that souls of men are saved. Today, Lord, there has been new beginnings. There are family and generations that are being impacted for you, Jesus. Legacies are being changed today because of your word. Not because of me, not because of what I said, but because of who you are, Jesus. It is your hope. It is your grace. It is your, your abundance of life-giving hope. God, we thank you for what you did today. And God, I pray, Lord, as we walk into this week, Lord, that we ourselves would be a life that is worth the testimony that you've given us. That we would be the testimony to the people in our world. That we wouldn't just sit on the sidelines and just go to work every day, but we would take a step of faith and say, hey, can I tell you about a Savior that saved my life? And I just want to bring you to this place. It's called a church. And we, we, we sing some songs, but there is something that God wants to say to you, and he wants to change your life. He restored mine, and he can do it for you too. I pray that we're a church that is so much of a bringer that we got to have 18 services to fill everybody in this place so we can keep reaching people for Jesus. So God, I pray that you would put that in us. We're not meant to live this life for us. It's meant to be lived for you. So God, give us the drive. Give us the compassion. Give us the boldness. Give us the gentleness. It is grace and then truth. Let us love people with unconditional love. And let us continue to point them to Jesus. That's what happened today. And people's lives are being impacted in this very moment. God, we thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Amen.